BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hello, Redheads. Welcome back to the Redheads Book Club Quarantine Edition. We are here, episode three. This is not how I thought we would be recording this episode when we chose last month's book, but here we are. Welcome, girls. We're recording via Zoom, so I'm going to be extra teachery today and call on everyone when it is their time to speak. We look like the Brady Bunch right now. So let's kick it off with Snitch the Snatchler. How you doing? I've been better, for sure. Um, <laughs> I, I fucking hate quarantine. I need it to be over. Honestly, reading has been so helpful. Um, I read this book in like about a day. You know, I finished it about an hour ago. And I'm just not much has really changed with me. Great. Love to hear it. Dana, I'm trying to go in order of the room where we record and how like snitch sits next to me and then Dana. Dana, how you feeling? It's your book. It's your big month. It's my, today's my favorite day of the year, but it was just like a rough day that I didn't even have the heart to prank anyone. Like, is there any worse prank than being quarantined for three months and plus? So like, I did wake up from a text from my mom saying, Jackie texted me to come on podcast, LOL. And then two seconds later, April Fools thought you'd be upset. <laughs> that is so funny. I totally forgot that it's April Fools and that you didn't do your annual prank. I couldn't muster it up. Everything seems like a cruel joke, but I've been okay. Um, I've been playing a really fun quarantine game where I haven't shaved in the past five weeks. Mm-hmm. Yep. Welcome to the Claire. Oh man. Yeah, I think every woman and man in the world is struggling, unless you're me and you try to wax at home. I'm actually doing a really fun game with myself where I vouch to not shave my legs until quarantine is over just to see how long that they can get. You snitch. I'm I so excited we should compare after. Oh, Dana's just showing us her legs and you can see on the camera the how hairy they are. Wow, I think you're winning, Dana. Bex, how are you? Guys, I'm doing well. I'm so happy to be hosting this over Zoom because no one wants to come near me. As some of you may know, it's pertinent that we're hosting this over Zoom because I have been inflicted with the novel coronavirus. I'm making light of it, but it's true. I luckily have super mild symptoms, and I think the worst of it is the fact that I haven't been able to taste or smell anything in maybe almost a week. And so don't think that I have eaten any less like that's not the outcome here (laughs) like I'm eating more than ever it just none of it tastes like anything but I'm happy that everyone is staying far far away just stay at home we are we are Mm -hmm. staying far away but we're thinking of you we're with you we love you and we're glad that we get to talk to you and do the book club still I know me too this is really a bright light in my day and I hope that everyone enjoys 
our, our so redheads from afar. Yes, we are all far away redheads. Um, but let's get into it because this month's book was Nothing to See Here by Kevin Wilson. It was Dana's choice. And when she chose it, I'm not going to lie. Like the club was skeptical. The redheads were skeptical. The Facebook group was skeptical. Like everyone was like, what is the cover of this book? And that just goes to show you why you should not judge a book by its cover because the book according to me, was fabulous. Now, I'm just going to do a brief summary of the book for like the few people here who just like to listen to this podcast without reading the book. Um, it was a, an inch, I don't even know how you would describe the plot. It was almost felt like a short, long story about two old friends, one friend who is very successful and ambitious and wealthy and living a life where she is the wife of a senator, and another friend who narrates the book who has had a rough go of it. She's so funny, but like more negative and just um, very realistic. And her friend, Madison, who is the wealthy one, asks her to come and help her with something, a job opportunity where she has these two stepchildren that she needs a governess for. And the stepchildren are a bit odd because they spontaneously combust and go up in flames from time to time. And the friend Lillian needs to look after them. And so it's really a, I thought, beautiful story about acceptance and fitting in, but not, and being yourself. That's what I took away from it, but we'll get all the way into it. Overall, I want to hear, what did everyone think about this book? Did you like it? Did you not like it? What did and didn't you like? Snitch, let's start with you. Um, it wasn't exactly my type. Like, I just didn't understand what I was reading. And like, everyone was saying that it was sensational and that they read it so quickly, but it actually like, for as short as it was, it took me a good time to get through it just because I was like, what is the plot of this book? Like, I don't understand. I did enjoy like how kind of like whimsical it was. Like, I liked the way that it was written. Like, I thought that there were funny parts and like, I liked that Lillian, her narrative was like, just like very relatable and real and it wasn't so like constructed. But I just like didn't understand what the point was to writing this book. What did it give anybody? I would agree with that. When we talk about the moral of the story, I think we'll all probably have a different analysis on the point of the book. I agree. Becky, what'd you think? I loved the book. I thought it was so funky. It's just bizarre. You know, you're not quite sure what you're going to expect. And then when you realize what's happening, everything is so seemingly normal throughout. And then all of a sudden we have this bizarre element of kids combusting and you're like, what is happening? And yet everything else is like fairly normal. Like there's no other like wizardry throughout. So I thought it was a surprise and it definitely captivated my attention. It was a quick read. I like totally crunched that book. And as some of you may know, I'm a slow ass reader. Like I can't get through a book for the life of me. So I loved how quickly I got through it. It made me feel like confident, you know, overall. Totally. Yeah. For me, I'm a speed reader. And like, I was shocked. I started it at like six o'clock one night. I was like, I'll start it tonight and then I'll finish it tomorrow. And I finished it before I went to sleep. Now, Dana, I got to throw to you because this was your choice. I need to know what you thought of it because um, it was really a great choice. Thank you. I was hesitant because as I was just reminded of from your description of the book, it sounds insane, like two kids catching on fire. But the fact yeah. you get that summary and then you read it and you almost forget that that's even a thing, I think is just such a testament to the book because it takes a crazy subplot and just makes it ordinary and exposes that like, one, it's really a traditional story when you get down to it. And two, I think it's pertinent to the time period we're in because it speaks to how you just adjust to normalcy. 
like in the beginning you're so confused and freaked out that these kids could catch on fire and by the end you're like this is my situation and I don't even really notice it anymore yeah when I read the back of the book or the summary I was like oh kids catching on fire like what is this hocus pocus like I have I'm not interested in fantasy whatsoever but the way that they describe it and integrate it into the story it's just like oh yes and the children catch on fire and that is just what they do I feel like it's also pertinent to the current situation because I felt like at times they were in quarantine in that totally like they were fully just isolated on their own island like no one was like no don't stay pretty please stay far away from us and all of us feel like catching on fire these days yeah no I'm like so instead of catching on fire I like just melt into tears that's my superpower just like I combust into tears snitch can you relate (laughs) all I've done is cry so yeah (laughs) I can relate I literally cried 10 minutes before this oh my god well anything we can help you with no I got a really sweet gift and you know made me emotional oh it was a happy tears it was happy yeah it also was just tears we can't it just reminded me of everything you know that too I just like it I don't know we can't talk about it so I'm just gonna cry again no I know if you do we're here for you we are here for you okay well let's get right into the major themes of the book usually we would go one for one with each theme but i kind of just want to share a bunch of the major themes to me and then i want you guys to talk about the ones that were most poignant to you so what i picked up on as the major themes of this book were parenting and just like the relationship between parents and children and what it means to like care for someone and love for someone and look after someone also ambition I feel like that was touched on a lot between like Lillian and Madison and their different versions of ambition like Lillian knew exactly what she wanted and she was going to do everything to go and get it whereas I'm sorry the opposite Madison I was going to say do you mean Madison sorry Madison knew exactly what she wanted and was going to go and get it and Lillian just like knew that she wanted something and maybe one day would fall into her lap and she was ambitious about it falling into her lap but not so much like making the plan to get there Then also another big theme is fitting in and like weirdness and otherness and just like, you know, everyone is weird. Everything, everyone has something weird about them, whether it's the children who spontaneously combust or even like Madison is a perfect person, yet she's really fucking weird. Like even the most perfect people are weird. And I thought that was a big theme in the book and something that I personally enjoyed. Um, Also the theme of like wealth and privilege and the opportunities that Madison has versus the ones that Lillian doesn't and how that plays into the story. And then also I thought a big theme of the book was humor because I was fucking cracking up like left and right. Like literally you had to put the book down for a second to laugh at some of the funniest lines. Like just Lillian's sense of humor just made me laugh. So those were the big themes to me. If anyone wants to expand on any of those or add a few more, jump right in. Yeah. Or not. <laughs> it's like when you're like in a lecture and they're like, any questions? Silent. <laughs> 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 wow, I have a new respect for professors now. I'm dying. Well, let's take it in reverse. Dana, we'll start with you. I was going to say, when you said parenting as a theme, that kind of, for me, was intertwined with this concept of just unconditional love. And as a parent, it really truly doesn't matter what is afflicting your child. You're going to love them no matter what. So like, obviously the most stark examples are these kids are on fire, but Lillian ends up loving them anyway. But also Timothy was a weirdo. Like he had a lot of eccentricities. He had a lot of and she loved him too. So it's really not so different. One is just a manifestation of something much crazier. But in the end, the lesson's the same. You as a parent have unconditional love for your kid, no matter what they're like. 
Yeah, totally. And also throughout the book, she like tries to sum up what parenting means. She's like, maybe parenting is just showing your kid what you love and hoping they love it too. Or maybe parenting is just like this or that. And I feel like that's the moral of that story is that there is not one way. It's all of those different things put together that equals like being a decent parent. Bex, what, what's, what stuck out to you? No, it's so true, Jackie. The piece about parenting, I feel like it, it was entertaining because I mean, I'm not a parent myself, but I know a lot of people who are, and I have a nephew. So I see my own sister as a parent. And it's like, if your life isn't complicated enough trying to raise a human being, imagine if they then all of a sudden start catching on fire on top of it. So that was entertaining to me. And I just feel like this whole shit storm that's called life was a major theme throughout. But I thought that one theme that really carried throughout was the humor piece, to your point, Jax. I could not get enough of Lillian's humor, like her hilarious take on the world. And also just the way that she perfectly packaged up weird scenarios where you yourself are are just sitting there being like, what is happening? And she's like, I mean, Madison, are they mole people? Tell me what's going on. Like, what's the deal with these kids? <laughs> totally. like, there were just moments that you're like, because you're, you're yourself sitting there being like, what's happening in this book? What are we about to find out? And she's like, are they mole people? <laughs> it's so rich. I mean, throughout, I, I was like, this is the humor piece really carried me and like got me to the end of the book. And I was like, I love this. Yeah. And her sense of humor and her approach to like asking Madison, what's wrong with these kids is the same way the reader felt like, okay, seriously, like what's wrong with them? Like, and the way Madison's describing it, it's like, she's being so vague. And like, as a reader, you just want to jump out and be like, oh, what are, are they mole people? And so I think she really spoke on the reader's behalf with her humor. Yeah. Like everything she said, even just little parts where she was walking closely to Madison and she was like, if we were any closer, we'd be running a three-legged race. Like just little <laughs> zingers. And like, when they said, are you hungry? She's like, what if I'm not hungry? I usually don't eat till midnight. Like, can I say no? And will that be acceptable? Like every internal monologue was so funny and like quick and witty. No, totally. The part that had me cracking up was when they tried to get like firefighter clothes for the kids. And Lillian was like, do we have the clothes yet? Where are the clothes? And, and Carl was like, these things take time. We don't make clothes for tired <laughs> firefighters. <laughs> oh my god yeah i was literally on the floor so, tiny, tiny firefighters <laughs> i was on the floor when they were pulling up to that doctor and he was waving being like i'm the doctor and she's like oh shit we are not here for this could you imagine yeah, if you totally. like waltzed up to some like you're you walked into your dentist's office and they were standing there and he's like i'm your dentist no it was so wild hell no totally snitch what themes did you relate to or or really spoke to your heart i think just the way that it was written like it wasn't they didn't try to make it like perfect so it was just like lillian just talking like a normal human which i really enjoyed because like it was just such a weird scenario but like i think her inner monologues were the best like how she always just kept waiting to fuck up like it wasn't an option whether or not she would be fucking up like it's just a matter of when i just thought that that was hilarious also like, i think my favorite parts were her conversations with carl i just like love oh, the yeah. dynamic the dynamic between the two of them I was like I thought it was hilarious I just like don't know why he didn't like her like from the get-go we never really got an answer for that um, yeah and yeah. I feel like if this were any other book like they would have ended up together but it yep. this isn't this isn't red white and royal blue you know did anyone else think that um at the end of the book 
Lillian's father was going to end up being someone from the Roberts family. Oh, no, I mean, not even for a second. Not for one second. Cool. No, but that's so like booky to happen. Just like to throw some weird like. Well, they just kept mentioning that she didn't have a dad, and like she's like, I could see my dad every day. Like I wouldn't even know. So like, I just thought that we'd get like that loose end tied up, but we didn't. Yeah. No, I didn't think of it either. Also, just one of the biggest themes that I really related to is when um when they go to the library. And Lillian's explaining to the kids, like, literally nobody cares about what you're doing. Like, people only care about themselves. It's so true. I feel like I'm always telling myself that, like, if I'm feeling insecure about something or I don't like my outfit. And it's like, people will look at me and they don't have one thought because they're, like, thinking about what I think about them, you know? So true. So true. I think that that was, like, it's a really important lesson. And I think that's why the book is called Nothing to See Here. Because it's like, there's nothing to see because no one's even looking. That's when yeah, the, that's, the title hit me during that scene. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I guess this makes sense. I know I highlighted that. And it was that exact scene during while they were in the library. And Lillian made the point of being like, yeah, no one gives a fuck unless it's about them. You're good. I also yeah. hid the book in their pants. That was hilarious. <laughs> oh, hilarious. But also it applies to when Timothy eventually spontaneously combusts too. And like, again, nobody even cared because like people only care about themselves. Like they're not thinking, oh, a little boy went on fire. What does that mean? Like they're like a little boy went on fire, but I'm okay. You know? Definitely. Right. Yeah. Today's episode of the Redheads Book Club is brought to you by Book of the Month. Book of the Month is a fun book subscription. You get to choose a new book each month. Each month, Book of the Month features five new and early release books. You pick the one or two or three that you want. Their team does all the research for you, so you know you're getting into a good thing on the very first page. That means you spend more time reading and less time researching what to read. Many members end up branching out to a new type of book that they wouldn't have tried if it weren't for a Book of the Month feature. They try to judge their books based on their stories, not the person who wrote it, and for that reason, most of their authors are emerging writers from new and diverse backgrounds. Book of the Month is commitment-free. You can skip any month you want as many times as you want. Get your first month of Book of the Month for just $9.99 with code BOOKCLUB. That's your first month of Book of the Month for just $9.99 with code BOOKCLUB. Okay, let's get into some DBQs because I found a really good reader guide um, from the book. So I have some really I was wondering questions. like how you came up with those questions. <laughs> They're I was like, like there's no way. In-depth questions. Yeah. Um, it was a really good reader's guide. So thanks. But the first question is just one of own. them. I was like, <laughs> I was like, Jackie, this is so involved. Like this is worse than college. <laughs> no, I know. Well, I don't know if I'll get to all of them. I just want to write down like all of them. Okay. But the first one was just mine, which is, could you have done what Lillian did as a friend? One, taking the fall for Madison back at Iron Mountain School for Girls and two, taking this job opportunity. Mostly, would you have taken this job? No and no. I would not have taken the fall for her. No chance in hell. I like wouldn't have taken the job just because I'm not really good with kids. (laughs) Yeah. I would have taken the job for sure. If I was in Lillian's position, I had nothing going on in my life. I was living in my mom's attic and like, I can be a governess to like some two quirky kids. Like I would at least see what it was about. Like I loved this job for Lillian. And even when she said she felt like her whole life was like leading up to something happening where like Madison needed her and she was going to be called on and they were going to reunite. Like I felt that too. What else was she doing? I don't know. I I just, I think it's weird that she like, Four months of her life literally defined her entire future and her entire path. 
I feel yeah. like she was at rock bottom. Like she couldn't get any less directionless in her life. She couldn't go any more meaningless. So I felt like if a job was presented to her, she's like, great. Now I have some purpose, which is so yeah. sad and so harsh. But in terms know, of taking it- the fall for Madison, hell no. She got herself into this mess. She can sweet talk her way out of it. Oh yeah. And, and even she Madison- also would have ended up where she was and Madison that's said, said that that's what I was just gonna say like Madison said it wouldn't have even mattered I would still be in this exact place she wasn't gonna let anything stop her but I feel like at times so much what? I know it made you hate the mom so much for like just oh a minute totally Bex? and this was this was Lillian's chance at forging a way for herself like outside of her financially and emotionally impoverished life so I was like really this is this is going down and mm-hmm. I was just so pissed. Yeah, no, totally. But I also just felt like Lillian was like too smart for her own good. She's literally a genius and she wasn't going to use that for anything, you know? Well, I feel like if Agreed. she, she would have, like if she stayed in that school, she would have gone to a great college and then like done something. No, but say having left the school, like even though it was so unfair and, and I like would have been pissed at my mom for the rest of my life, like she still could have made something of herself, except when she talked about going back to her high school, like, after she had been, like, the golden child. And <laughs> it was, like, any other narrator just would have been, like, so down on themselves about it, but she was, like, so self-aware. It was hilarious. It made it, like, not depressing, even though it's unbelievably depressing. Yeah. And she was, like, and they were all just, like, they couldn't even <laughs> believe that, like, they had put their faith in me that literally no one spoke to me ever again. <laughs> it was so funny. Oh my god. But it's like actually a really sad scenario. Yeah, I mean, it's had the tone for the rest of her life. Yeah. yeah. Now that I'm like, now that we're talking about it, I'm relating, like I'm understanding where she's coming from more because when I was reading it, I was just like, this girl's got it all going on. Like, why is she living at home? You know? Yeah. Okay. Also, what I found hard about Lillian, though, was that, like, we didn't really get, and because it's from her nap, like, her point of view, we didn't get a description of, like, what she looks like, so I couldn't really imagine her at all. Like, yeah, I agree with that. Madison, we got a great one, and I I don't even know what color hair she had. Yeah, I think she had brown hair. It's totally brown hair. Yeah. (laughs) Totally. Also, (laughs) what was that? I can't see what people look like in books. Oh, that's true. That's true. Also, it reminded me of Red, White, and Royal Blue because it's all told from one person's perspective. And when it was Alex narrating and his, like, shitty personality, I couldn't stand it. I was like, we need a diversity of voices. But now when it's Lillian, she has the best personality ever, I'm like, I don't need to hear from anyone else. I've got the picture. So true. So true. Thanks. Thanks for agreeing, you guys. Okay, let's get into the DBQs, some of my big ass questions. So as we know, the twins spontaneously combust when they get agitated. The fire they generate can burn others, but leaves them unharmed. What might the nature of this condition represent? Did your perception of the condition change at all throughout the book? Did you become more used to it or less used to it? Anyone? Um, Dana? I, I think, I'm sorry, you can Mitch? go. Dana? I was going to say that just the fact that they were left unharmed is a good metaphor for just one, don't keep your emotions to yourself. Don't bottle it up. Like if you're feeling anxious, if you're feeling stressed, let it out because you'll be unharmed in the end and feel better. However, the fact that they could hurt others is kind of like be mindful of the way that you express yourself and where you express yourself. 
like on mm-hmm. a literal level, don't do it in the living room where you can burn the curtains, but like on a more symbolic, don't do it in a way that's really going to hurt others with your actions. Like be mindful of that, but also don't keep things hidden down low because then you won't burst into flames, but you'll be harmed in other ways. Yeah. That's a really good metaphor. I didn't even think of it like that. I came up with something similar. I was thinking that it could represent the fact that they've been burned so many times that they can hardly feel it anymore. I love that. Oh my God. What? Mic drop. That's brilliant. Brilliant. That's so true. Brilliant. Well, you know what's interesting is a lot of the redheads, the listeners of this podcast, they wrote in questions um, for us and we'll get to that segment after, but a lot of them, felt like this could have been, um, you know, a, a symbolic for having autism or being on the spectrum. And I just, I feel like this otherness that these children possess, like it's, you can make it, you can think of it as anything that like you would put yourself in that situation for, you know what I mean? Like something that just makes you different and makes people think that you're quote unquote weird. And like, but that's also your superpower, you know? It's like the thing that, you know, it's like you're- The thing that makes you different is what makes you special. That makes you great. Yeah, that's that's where I think- Yeah, that's a really good point. That's where I think we're headed towards. Oh, I never- Oh, go ahead, Bex. No, I was just going to say, I never tied it to anything like demonic or any association to sainthood, like that one doctor suggested. That never crossed my mind. Same. Yeah. So, but the big I twist at the end that that it was part of the dad's DNA, like I wish that was explored a little bit more. You know, same. Like, and when they were having that argument, like at the end before it went on fire, I was I thought Jasper was legit gonna combust. Yeah, I mean that would make sense because they didn't explore that at all. That like this is all from his side of the family, and what does that mean? You know, they, these kids aren't the first ones to have this condition. And then Lily, just, she was saying that it was like some like action of inbreeding yeah (laughs) oh yeah and I do have to say that um I felt that after Timothy combusted at the inauguration whatever confirmation I thought that the book was rushed like I feel like after that it could have been unpacked so much more and it just like wasn't the ending was the only part I didn't like I agree that's that that does affect my overall rating of the book um and I agree with you the snitch and I feel like throughout the book I became so used to them like going on fire I'm like oh wow they went like three days without going on fire like they're they're doing so well like it just became a really a normal thing you know it's like are the kids gonna go on fire today no okay you know it wasn't like so spooky and I think Lillian felt that way too like to her it was just like okay it's like them picking their nose it's just like what they do (laughs) Yeah, totally. Okay, next question. Lillian works hard to establish and maintain a bond with the twins. What is it about Lillian that makes her uniquely equipped for this job? Why is she able to connect with them while so many others have failed? The snitch, please. I think it's because she's so used to being on the outside her whole life and she's also had this like otherness or weirdness whether or not it's being it's combusting so it's like she was able to to relate to them like the way that she spoke to them she didn't talk to them like she was like treading on water like yeah like counselor she like was cursing with them and she was just like trying to be their friend but also just like help them out and I think that they felt that yeah and I think her ability to just be honest with them like I feel like it it's it's different for each parent child situation and depends on age but when these kids have been through so much like the only thing that like they really need at this point is honesty like where are we going to live who are we living with they've seen it all they're like watch their mother kill herself and try to kill them too so i think we're past the point of like protecting the children by not telling them certain things totally 
No, to Snitch's point, I feel like she's just as much of an oddball as the kids are. So she can cater to their tendencies based on her own experience. And I just Mm -hmm. feel like she can leverage her weird mindset. And she's also so incredibly blunt. And I feel like children are as well. So it's like they're speaking the same very direct language, which I thought was helpful. Versus like Madison, who's hyper-educated and polite and fancy and like doesn't know how to operate around weird kids. Yeah. D? I totally agree. They're, they were both damaged, so that put them on kind of equal footing. And then she was funny and hilarious, so it was like they related to her and she didn't treat them like they were nobody. Yeah, totally. Okay, next question, because this actually made me laugh a lot. But at the end of chapter three, Lillian expresses her surprise that the children's hair remains untouched after they burst into flames. Quote, I don't know why with these demon children bursting into flames right in front of me, their bad haircuts remaining intact was the magic that fully amazed me. But that's how it works, I think. The big thing is so ridiculous that you absorb only the smaller miracles. Do you relate to this sentiment at all? Yeah, because them combusting, like, you just can't wrap your head around that. That's wild. So it's like the little thing of that big thing you can just focus on. Yeah, and I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, though, it's like maybe they had terrible haircuts because the ha- their hair above their shoulders has been burned off. Because maybe, like, it used to catch fire, but now it doesn't because, like, their arms are what catch fire. So if they had long hair, like, that would go up in flames. So now they have these, like, mismatched bowl cuts from, like, where <laughs> the fire stops. I don't That's know. so like, funny. Whole- I thought their whole body just went on fire, like, head to toe. Oh, I don't know. But now that I'm thinking about it, I just, like, feel like it was arms. And the bowl cuts were fucking killing me. Of course. Like, of course they had bowl cuts. Like, why wouldn't they? <laughs> I know. They were so know, like, cute. I don't know what the point of them having bowl cuts was if there was, like, a deeper meeting um, or something that we need to unpack. But, like, it was just a real treat. You don't really get a bowl cut in this day and age. I haven't gotten a bowl cut in so long. Like, it's just Not so since- nice. Not since Ned's declassified. <laughs> Truly. I feel like I associate hair with, like, roots and growth and, like, at their root, the kids were good. I know this is so... No, I mean, answer. that's, like, the answer, probably. Like, I just would never think of it like that. I'm like, the fire burned the rest of their hair. Yeah, like, in this ball of fire, their hair keeps growing and, like, it shows promise that they can keep growing. It's probably a stretch, but, like... That was kind of what I thought about with their hair. And for the redheads, it's a very appropriate question. <laughs> it is. Hair. We're the bowl cut redheads. <laughs> Beck? Someone totally. needs to make um, a graphic of all of us with bowl cuts. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> totally. Totally. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Um, I, I hadn't really thought about it until you posed the question in front of me. Um, but I did think through the small miracle element of the question, which I thought Mm -hmm. was so interesting to think about because you were like, what other small miracles are present in the story? And I I gave it a a think and I thought that it was crazy that they made it through the family dinner without lighting the house on fire. I feel like it was so hyped up this like family dinner in three days, two days. Okay, it's tonight. And I was like, okay, some shit's about to go down. Yeah. And it, it didn't, you know, except for the Secretary of State dying. That was like I'm the biggest I'm so hit glad of the that nothing happened. You know what I mean? I know, because the kids are, the kids are It's all a miracle. Right. The kids all are all right. Was, all they need was some TLC. They're very mature campers. I, just, I also everyone thought under, a, Everyone underestimates the campers. <laughs> I also thought it was a miracle that Lillian found the kids after they went missing in the forest. Oh, yeah, but it was like they wanted to be found, you know? 
Like they, they just wanted to know if she would come after them. Like if she subconsciously. Cared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Like, yeah. Kind yeah. Nothing happened throughout the whole book, which like made it so good. One ties into like nothing to see here. Like the house didn't go on fire. Like they didn't run away. They went to get ice cream. It's kind of just like plays into all those small miracles. You expect with kids on fire, all these crazy shit to happen. And like really nothing happened. Yeah, because they're in quarantine. (laughs) It's also like like when you expect the worst all the time, but like that rarely ever happens. Yeah, but I feel like in general, even like on the toast and stuff, we'll talk about a crazy story and then we'll just like zero in on like one aspect of it. We're like, but this part doesn't, the whole thing is fucking crazy, but like we're like, but this doesn't add up. And I feel like that's kind of what, like what she was doing where it's like, okay, the whole thing is crazy. Like I'll never understand how kids burn into flames, but if the fire touches the hair, why ain't the hair burning? If we're getting technical, you know? So true. I I fully relate to that. Today's episode of the Redheads Book Club is also brought to you by Ritual. Ritual is the obsessively researched vitamin for women. We all want to do the right thing to keep our bodies healthy in the long run, but even if we try really hard to eat kale salads and drink green smoothies, we're still most likely not getting all of the essential nutrients we need on a daily basis. Ritual's essentials have the nutrients the nutrients most of us aren't getting enough of, all in their clean, absolvable forms. They have no shady additives or ingredients that can do more harm to your body than good. You take two easy-to-take capsules, which provide nine nutrients you need to support a strong foundation for your health. I've been taking ritual multivitamins for about a month now because I have really been looking for a great multivitamin that would hit every point of everything that I'm looking to achieve and just get more nutrients in my daily diet and it has been so good for my overall well-being and I'm just loving the experience of using Ritual. Ritual Essential for Women is the multivitamin reimagined. From D3 to Omega-3, Ritual's Essential for Women helps fill gaps in a woman's diet. Their no-nausea capsule design is gentle on an empty stomach, and there's a mint tab in every bottle to keep things fresh, so you don't get that fishy aftertaste common with most Omega-3s. Oh my god, that fishy aftertaste is nasty. Better health doesn't happen overnight, and now Ritual is offering our listeners 10% off during your first three months. Fill in the gaps in your diet with Essential for Women, a small step that helps support a healthy foundation for your body. Visit ritual.com book to start your ritual today. That's 10% off during your first three months at ritual.com book. Head over there, you guys. It's everything of the sort. Okay, next question. How does Lillian's dark sense of humor amplify the book's themes of love, acceptance, and parenting? Do you enjoy the use of humor throughout the novel? What did it tell you about Lillian's character? I mean, it was the best part of the whole novel. Like, if there was no Mm -hmm. humor, I would have absolutely hated this book. Oh, it wouldn't have been a book. Right. Like, the humor was what made it. To me, her humor, like, showed me that she's even smarter than all of the different accolades that she had achieved in her life. Because, like, I think it takes a really smart person to be funny. But you can also, you can be smart and not funny but you can't really be funny and not smart and so like I feel like the fact that she was so hilarious really amplified how smart she actually is without us ever even like you know getting her grades or whatever also just goes to show like the way that you oh my god you're speaking Dana's language (laughs) oh yeah she loves yeah she has a whole theory about being funny (laughs) would you like to share with the class just that's really what you said if you're not smart you can't be funny yeah that's fair I'm trying to think of people that are funny and if they're smart. I mean, there are some people who are funny because they're, like, goofy and stupid. But, like, smart wit. If you can make someone laugh with your writing, like, that's 
different kind of smart. Yeah. Intelligent. Yeah. I have no patience yeah. for stupid, unfunny people. No. Or people who think they're funny, but they're just not. Not at uh, all counts. The worst kind. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Any other thoughts on her humor before the next question? No, I'm just grateful for it. Same. Yeah. Same. But then it also speaks to obviously the humor of the author. And after reading this book, I like wanted to read some of his other books. So I was like, this guy is a fucking comedian. So Has anyone that it was read anything? Guy. Yeah. I wanted to talk about that. But has anyone read anything else by Kevin Wilson? No, I've never heard of it. No, I have not. Yeah, apparently he has some other good books. So like I might get into those. Um, but I'm, I sure, read the I'm sure by the time we do another episode, you'll have read his entire trilogy of books. <laughs> but then I read like I Met the Man and written your own book together, co-authored by the- You'll probably have DMs, like, there'll be a whole story. Oh, okay, sad donation, okay. But then also I read the description of his books, I'm like, I would fucking hate that, but then I would have re never read Nothing to See here if I was just judging books based on their covers. You know, bro? You're useless. Okay, last question, last document-based question, because I have so many more questions for you guys. Madison and Lillian's relationship is complicated, and it uh, has a deep- this question's also complicated. Their relationship is deeply connected to their intense rival rivalry, bitter resentment, and they're also uneasy allies. Do you think they're foils for one another or something else? How does their competitive edge play into their relationship? And do you think their relationship will live on after the events of the novel? I think that their relationship- They're speechless. I know. I mean, Lillian says it herself. She was just like, I am just forever going to be catering my life towards Madison and her and whatever whim she takes me on. Like, I feel like she just is going, she just is like a slave to Madison. And you see that throughout. She's, she said it herself. She's like, I don't think I've ever said no to Madison. And you yeah. see it in their dynamic. And one part that was so interesting to me when Madison snuck into the guest house after they came back from DC, when Jasper was nominated or, or landed the nomination for secretary of state, she was like, come on, like come outside with me. Like, let's have a drink. Let's celebrate. And Lily knew exactly what they were celebrating, but she was like, Oh, like, what do you mean go outside? Celebrate what? I think she was trying to get under Madison's skin. Like, it's not all about you. Like, I don't know what we're celebrating. And Madison was like, cut the bullshit, you know that Jasper got nominated as Secretary of State, don't pretend you don't. And I was just like, damn, like her one chance to sort of be like, oh, it's not all about you, Madison, like we've been going about our ways here while you've been in DC, she can't even do it, you know? Madison's always just gonna like stomp out the, the potential yeah. Of, yeah. of Lillian coming on top. I think on the surface, it's like uh, Lillian is jealous of Madison and envies her uh, luxury, her life, she stayed in school, et cetera. Like, it seems like Madison has much more to be envied. But I feel like if you were to ask Madison, she would have an equal amount that she would like out of Lillian's life. Like, she totally envied the fact that she was weird and could be weird. They talk a lot about how in school, Madison had to curb that weirdness when she was with the other preppy girls and could only be her true self in the dorm room. So, like, whereas Lillian was poor and didn't have this glamorous life, Lillian sounds like she'd be more interested in having an authentic life where she could be weird in some degree because she obviously loved being the senator's wife but I think they both had things about each other that the other wished they had 
Interesting. Yeah. I, I, agree. I didn't see it like that. I didn't see Madison wanting anything that Lillian had. Lillian didn't have a life. She you know, had I the ability think... to, to be herself in her mother's attic. Like, yeah, I Madison don't think Madison... Can go, Madison can go up to her attic and go be herself there and then come back down and then do all the rest of these things. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think Madison wanted anything about Lillian's life. I just think that she, A, enjoyed having Lillian around just so, like, she could feel better about herself. And, B, she enjoyed having just someone who was as weird as her. So I don't think she wanted anything from Lillian. I think that she just enjoyed having someone that she could, like, kind of relate to, but then also could pick and choose, like, when she wanted to relate to her. Yeah, I feel like Madison, like, loved and, and relished in her own weirdness because if she didn't like that about herself, like, she would have cut it out of her personality because, like, that's how fucking cutthroat she is. But she loved her weirdness and, like, the fact that she wasn't just, like, your typical senator's wife and, like, the girl you expect her to be. And I think since that was one of her favorite qualities about herself, Madison, uh, Lillian was her favorite person to be with because she was always going to bring that out in her you know it's like when you push away people because they remind you of things that you don't like about yourself and so like you project onto them this was like the opposite of that of like bringing someone in because it reminds you of the best parts of yourself I love their basketball shit stick and how they were so oh yeah cool. oh yeah that was just such a good theme throughout the whole thing I was so sad when Lillian lost to her on the court like that was me too perfect. I know but then it's I mean, like if Madison had lost it would have like altered the axis of power it would have been so weird like I couldn't imagine a situation where like so Madison true. lost in her own house yeah was there yeah. ever a moment like, that you thought that they were going to be romantic with each other yes 100 moments 100 moments as well yeah me too but then they weren't but like because they talk about how they but was that like the subtext though that like when they were sleeping in bed together in college like they were smooching no I don't think so I don't think I don't so, think so either I think it's just mainly because Madison like had a future that she was destined to get and she was not going to let anything get in that way. It get in her way. And like, she was going to marry a politician. She was like going to be the first lady or be the president of the United States. And she was not going to let anything stop her. Well, they had that one moment in the book when they're talking about everything and Lillian essentially declares her love for Madison. And she's like, say it. And she's like, I won't say it. But the implication was that they were both in love with each other. And I guess that right. moment that I thought, something might materialize but Madison's too smart to like risk anything yeah, yeah. I never thought anything was going to materialize between them but it was like is this just like a uh forbidden love story or something and I feel like even some of the questions that I got it's like was anyone hoping that Madison and Lillian were going to run off together with the three fire kids and like live this we this life never thought that was going to happen no me neither but that was a question that we got which is like I could see how someone would think that that's where it was going but I never did and I feel like you can have a friend and you can love them truly without it being a sexual thing. Right. And in the beginning, I thought that that's what it was. But I just, I, I don't know, it's hard to feel more romantic, at least from Lillian's end, um, than just like loving a friend. The best was when Madison was like, I know that you got kicked out of school. And Lillian's like, your dad paid my mom to kick you She's out. like, semantics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's yeah. like wow madison might actually believe this at this point yeah. totally no it's crazy okay now we got a lot of questions from the redhead community at large about our thoughts on the book and some things that they picked up on and they want to get our thoughts so first up what did we think of the ending do we think that it wrapped up nicely if you could alter the ending in any way how would you end the story differently snitch please i was just waiting at the end like 
for us to see that the Robertses were like paying for a great house for them to live in and like have them set up and then Lillian to be taking care of the kids. But, like it just ended with them like leaving, not even leaving, just going to play basketball out of Lillian's shitty home. Like I wanted to see like their setup. I wanted to see like how it was going to work. I wanted to see the logistics behind their future. And we didn't get that. Yeah, I would agree with that. On the one hand, it was like too good to be true. But then on the other hand, it was like not good enough, you know? No, like, are we supposed to believe that they're going to live in the hot basement? I mean, hot attic. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that ain't going to work. So many loose ends with that. And she wasn't even happy. She was like, I am still depressed. And now I have these kids in my attic and my mom's mean. Like, I wish that it ended that they just lived in the house with everybody and the kids. Yeah. Or like everyone lived in the house except for Jasper, like moved to DC. Yeah. But I felt like all the fire children should have been together. Now Timothy's going to have to go through this alone. Yeah. When and it would have been so much better for Timothy if he had fire friends. Yeah, and the fire friends could, like, show him how to firefight in their tiny firefighter's uniforms. <laughs> you know? Like, he could have gotten their hand-me-downs when they grew out of, like, one fire suit. Right. Yeah, no, he needed the fire friends. Yeah, I feel for Timothy. It was actually, like, I think that it was really detrimental for his child development to not have fire friends. Yeah, at least the other two, Bessie and Roland, also the names are just the names. so weird. Bessie and Roland, Roland. Had, each, Roland had each other. Not a thing. Like, he was just so background. Roland was yeah. such background. Bessie was the star. Yeah, Bessie was Lil, Lil Lillian. She's she Lil Lil. Yes. Yeah, 100%. Like, her mini-me. Roland was just, like, bonus. Um, justice for Timothy, for sure. He needs his tiny firefighter friends. Yeah. Um, it's so funny. This always happens, you guys, when we, when we do a recap. I'm always at the opposite end of everyone else's opinions. <laughs> I really? love the what ending. You, what, oh, you love the ending? Well, but there was no ending. I guess like, I just, it just ended. I guess I just didn't really think about the what ifs, you know? Like, I was satisfied and I didn't spend a good decent chunk of time being like but what about this this or this like it, it wrapped up for me and I was satisfied about how realistically not tied up in a bow it was like it wasn't this picture perfect ending which I felt like it could be like Lillian got the kids this is what she wanted okay like everyone's happy goodbye and that's not really what happened which I appreciated it, it remained genuine because she was mm-hmm. still on the fence at the end it felt like her feelings were sort of still unresolved even though she seemingly got what she wanted and you almost expected her to be floored with happiness, which is so not her. So I yeah. I appreciated how authentic she remained until the end. I feel that. I do, I do. Okay, next question. Is there a character in the book that you can relate to? If so, who and why? Roland. Madison. <laughs> Roland. Dana, you are Roland. I I told you're 100% Roland. I actually did relate to Madison and Lillian, like, put together, you know? Yeah. I feel I like think I'm a Carl. I think you're a Carl for sure. I'm a Carl. Jax, you're no. so Madison. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know what? I actually think Madison was actually a great character, like, as a just on her own. Like, there was so much that was good about her. And at the end of the day, she completely and utterly did the right thing when it came to her own son like and what they were going to do with him and then also the other two kids like she let Lillian take them and not send them away somewhere and I feel like she was oh like even though she just like was ruthless and was going to do anything to have this picture perfect life like she wasn't a bad person except for the part where she like did coke and, and let Lillian take the fall but like she was young and naive 
Yeah, and also, like, it really was on Lillian's mom to put her foot down. That was the only person who could have stopped it. Even if Madison had said, like, don't do this, her dad would have been like, shoo. You know? Yeah. Agreed. Bex, who did you relate to? I was thinking maybe Lillian using humor to cope with life. I, I didn't really personally tie to one character throughout. I was trying, but like, I felt like Madison was a little too organized, a little too intense to associate myself with. So the yeah. closest would be a Lillian. What do you think yeah. about what, do you feel like I, I spoke yeah, to I, one character? <laughs> well, I do. I could see you being a Lillian and like taking in these little campers and being their counselor and like just bringing out the best in them for sure. And also what really disappointed me was like Madison when Lillian first got there, like, they were besties, they were having a good time, like, playing ball, and then when the kids got there, like, Madison and Timothy were in the house, and Lillian and the kids were in the slave quarters, which is what they were. That's what she said, yeah. When she made that joke, like, she wasn't joking, like, that was definitely, it was in the South, it was definitely former slave quarters that they converted into this, like, fire department. Um, but I wish that Madison, like when Lillian was there and Jasper wasn't and the kids w- were all there, like they should have all been hanging out more. And I feel like that just spoke to like Madison wanting to like shove the kids in the closet, um, and not deal with them. Whereas like they could have been having a good time. Excuse me? Who's film with that? Oh, wow, that was definitely Dana. It really wasn't. <laughs> X? Oh my God. It absolutely was not me. Snitch, are you lying? Wait, what? This oh isn't God. even my computer. Wow. Wow. Who was it? Really, it was definitely really, Dana then. No, look. I really feel like a teacher now. Wait, I need to know who that was. Damn. Someone's we'll lying. Someone, someone's going to like have a missed call. Maybe they just don't want to be put on blast, but I'm totally the teacher and I'm going to take away you? your phone. No, my phone's like all the way over here. I don't even have that ringtone. Yeah. Yeah, I have a personalized ringtone. <laughs> I need to know. I feel like, I think it's back now. It's so not me, I swear to God. I was on mute. <laughs> oh, Damn. yeah, that's true, you were. Wait, also, I want to talk about Mary. Mary oh, yeah, the, the goat. Maid's Tale on Martha. I, I don't watch. That. Sorry. <laughs> but what about her snitch? I don't know, I just feel like there's so much to unpack there. Like, she, like, didn't give a fuck, but it's, like, you would think that she should, but she just didn't. And, like, when they would go to the house and, like, go in and, she, like, they're not supposed to be there, she was, like, what do you want? She's, like, can we come in to, like, just look around? She's, like, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> totally. She was really, like, kind of goaty. She was goaty for sure. When she was, like, you knew the kids caught on fire? And she's, like, yeah, it happened, like, ten years ago. Yeah, but it's, like, <laughs> like not... If it's not interfering with her paycheck, she is good to go. No, it, ma- it gave her a huge raise, so was, I'm sure she's glad it happened. Totally. Okay, next question from the Redheads. What, do you, what did you think about the marriage between Madison and Jasper? Was it just for power and image, or do you think that they truly loved each other? I don't think that they loved each other, but I think that Madison never planned on marrying anybody for love. I think she was always planning on marrying someone for power and for like their nobility and their name. And that was always her plan. And I don't think she even cared. And she even said she like actually kind of like him. Like she was not expecting to like anyone. I agree with you, Snitch. If anything, like loving someone wasn't like grounds for marrying them for her. And maybe that explains her relationship with Lillian more, you know, like to her marriage was not like a romantic thing. It's a business that, like power thing but I think she happened to end up with someone that she genuinely liked and that was cool for her yeah but like she didn't need it yeah 
I'd agree with that. Pragmatic about it, which I appreciated. She was a pragmatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Next up, do you think it was too easy for Lillian to become the guardian of the children? Like when Madison at the end is essentially like, do you want them? They're yours. LOL. This is a quote. I thought that was strange considering the boarding school idea that was thrown around and the fact that Timothy can spontaneously combust too. So we kind of talked about this, but do you think that it was just a little too like willy nilly? Like you want them? Okay. Well, no, I think that they wanted to get rid of them. So like to, for them, this was like the easiest answer. I think that they were glad that Lillian was even like willing to take them. I think that, no, I think that it was, they wanted to get rid of them and this seemed like the best option. Yeah, I feel that. They were so concerned about appearances that you have to think that part of them is like, if the public finds out that he has two stepkids that are with this random person, like it, it was an easy solution, but I think they had to think about it for more than one second. Yeah. Yeah, but I feel like the desire to save their public image outweighed so much throughout the book that they were so laser focused on it. And they were like, I don't care how this happens. I just want this picture perfect family to remain intact. And like the miscellaneous things in our lives that are going to take away from that image, we got to, we got to trim the fat. Yeah. And then was anyone waiting for Lillian and Carl to get together? Did anyone think that that night? Yes. For sure. I like, I thought it was there, like, but they can also just get along and be good coworkers. I thought Carl was actually pretty funny. And he, he was like a good guy. I liked him. I liked his character. Yeah, me too. I think he always just wanted to do the right thing, but also like needed to take in Jasper's like wants and needs. Totally. Totally. I thought that in like maybe the first five minutes of their interaction, I was like, oh, is this going to turn into something? But then I pushed it to the back burner. Yeah, and honestly, I'm glad that it didn't even, like, for a second turn into something, because I just think that that, like, subplot of, like, the two sub-characters getting together is, like, so cheesy rom-com, like, I'm not here for it. Agreed. Okay, now let's get to the moral of the story. What did everyone think the moral of the story was? Dana, let's start with you. Kind of what I was saying earlier, just unconditional love. If you're a parent, you have unconditional love for your kid, no matter what they have. And I thought, not that this was a moral, but an interesting takeaway were coping mechanisms to deal with life. So they caught on fire and what she prescribed to them was yoga, basketball, like all different ways to handle stress. I thought that was an interesting kind of point in the book of how you can alleviate some of the tension that you experience. Yeah. Bex? Love conquers all. I mean, so far that's been like the theme of pretty much every book. That's why I said it. Because maybe that's the theme of life, but it's not untrue. No, I, um, I was thinking that maybe it's the thing that makes you different is often the thing that makes you great. Wow. It sounds like you're reading verbatim off my notes is what it sounds like. (laughs) It's what it sounds like someone's plagiarizing. We have a plagiarizer in the redheads. I mean, I just want to let you know that like that's the moral of the story and I think it's beautiful and I hope you agree with me. No, I actually think that sounds <laughs> I think that's incorrect. Snitch, what's your moral? Um I don't really know. There's like a lesson to be learned here. It's just like I don't know. I mean, I guess it's probably like um like accept people for who they are and like don't run away from something that you're unfamiliar with like just because it scares you like it might not be as bad as you think it is yeah just Um, because it's different doesn't mean that it's wrong right so yeah yeah 
I would agree with that. And I feel like even in the book, they do a good job of showing like how in the beginning when she's meant to be their governess, it's like, we need to figure out a way to get them to stop going on fire. Like the fire needs to end. But then by the end, when she talks to Bessie and Bessie's like, I don't want to lose my fire. Like how, like that's, how would I protect myself? Like, it's not, it doesn't become about like eliminating the problem, just like cultivating it and, and, you know, using it to your advantage, managing it. But also like eventually that's a sweet trick. They can be, they can do a lot of stuff with that. You know, they could, I don't know, they could get into like some really cool, some really cool businesses, I feel, you know, nope. even maybe nope. like the circus, if worst case scenario. Yeah. So College I feel like Joe Exotic. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot to explore there. Yeah. Okay. Next up, Hollywood Treatment. I want to know who you would cast as everyone. We will go in order for each cast member. I'll start, then Margot, then Becky, then Dana. So first for Lillian, I cast Kat Dennings because she is brunette. She's like kind of dark. She's funny. The only difference is that Lillian has small breasts, as we know, and Kat Dennings has large breasts. But I think that we can we can work with the breasts. So I'm going Kat Dennings for Lillian. Snitch? I'm going Ellen Page, the girl from Juno. Whoa. Snitch, same. Actually? Actually, that's oh my God, so she's, crazy. She's such a Lillian. Like, that's exactly what I envisioned as the Lillian. Well, it's so funny because after Jackie said Kat Dennings, I was like, damn it, it's 100% Kat Dennings. But I just love that you and I both picked Ellen Page. I don't even know who Kat Dennings is. Yes, you do. You she's do. from Two Broke Girls. Oh, I know who she is. She used to date Josh Groban. She did? Oh, I get she that. Did. No, I think Ellen Page is better than Kat. Uh, I just like Kat Dennings, probably because she used to date Josh Groban. And then maybe like Josh would be at the premiere and then maybe like Kevin Wilson would know that we had chose this book for our book club. So he'd invite like the redheads to the premiere and then all of a sudden I'm rubbing elbows with Josh Groban, you know? Right, yeah, but they're not together anymore. So I don't know why. No, but I think they they seem like friendly exes. Okay. Dana, who would you cast as Lillian? I did Maya Rudolph because one, I couldn't get the name Lillian out of my head from Bridesmaids. And two, she's hilarious. You okay. do Maya Rudolph for everything. Here's the thing, like, <laughs> I actually don't it. hate that. Uh, wow. You. Wow. I, like, I don't see it, but I don't hate it either. It's not the word. Okay, I was going to say straight up that it was the wrong choice, but um, I actually, I like where your head's at. Yeah, I like, first I like instinct, I was like, oh no, D, we can't do this again. But it's really growing on me. It's growing on me too. Thank you. Too. Okay, next up, who would you cast as Madison? For me, I feel like there are so many girls who could play her, but I was just, I just went with like Jennifer Lawrence because I think she's so beautiful. And I also think she's so weird, like her personality. And so I feel like she just is Madison. So I'm going J-Law. Snitch? Okay, I'm having a problem with Madison because the girl that I envision as Madison, I don't know her name. She basically kind of looks like a mixture of um, Leslie Bibb and Kristen Chenoweth. And I thought that she might have been on GCB, but she wasn't. But like the second that I figure out who this girl is, you guys will know exactly who I'm talking about. So I'm going to do some research and I'll get back to you. Or maybe like once people listen to this, they'll know who I'm talking about. She's married to someone kind of famous. So like, I'm, I just need some time. Leslie Mann? No, she, like, I'm telling you, you don't know her name. You just know her face. Okay, I hope the redheads can help you because now I, like, need to know who you're thinking. No, I know. And she's, you, like, a, you di- can- a Disney, like, mom type. Not even. I can't explain it. You can't remember anything she's been in? 
I can't. My brain's not working. Give me some time. Okay, Bex. My Madison is Blake Lively. I just oh, think that she's one. like so beautiful. And I envision Madison as being blonde and like busty and having like an amazing figure. And I just, it worked for me. I see that just like Blake Lively as an actress bothers me. Like she just ruins every role. Like Serena Vanderwoodson is so annoying. And I think totally. she would ruin the movie. So, but otherwise I, I agree. Yeah. Dana? And like, she's also like locked in a cage and like oh, Madison right. sort of is in some symbolic way. Who knows if Ryan Reynolds would allow her to play the part. Totally. Dana? Mila Kunis. Excuse me? Um. Mila Kunis. Mila Kunis. (laughs) Okay. um, And what what made you choose her? She's really pretty. (laughs) Oh, my God. And And I I feel like she could just be a badass. Okay. Um, I also think Mila Kunis would Mila Kunis could be a good Lillian because I also was getting vibes that Lillian is really pretty, just like underrated, you know? Yeah, yeah, like when she came in the um, in the caftan, and Madison was like, Oh, you look really good, and and Lillian was like, Yeah, I know I do. (laughs) Yeah, like she wasn't not cute, she just didn't try. And she didn't yeah. think of herself as cute, so she wasn't always, like, because she was only talking about herself, so she wasn't like, oh, I'm the Snatchler, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, next up, Bessie and Roland and Timothy. I don't really know any children of Hollywood. I only cast Timothy as Jacob Tremblay because he's the only child in Hollywood that I know, and I think he actually does look like a little teddy bear. Like, he could easily be dressed up as Timothy and, like, be a perfect little weirdo. So for Bessie and Roland, I didn't really cast them because I don't know any 10-year-olds. But Snitch, maybe you do. So for Bessie, I have Elle Fanning, like when she was younger. Okay, with but brown that's like, hair. But what about if they were doing it now? I, that's as I'm best pretty, as I could do. Because I'm pretty sure she's like 30 years or old. Or that girl, oh my God, do you remember when Jacob Tremblay was like at the Oscars like, or at the Golden Globes, like either this year or last year, and it's that new, like the new Jacob Tremblay, who's a girl, Brooklyn something. Yeah, her. Yeah, and then Roland, I really didn't give much thought to. Okay, I see that. You know who else? Now that I'm thinking about it, I feel like Millie Bobby Brown could play. That was Bessie. Bessie, because she's the only child I know. (laughs) Yeah, but she's also like 30 years old. Yeah. Bex, did you have any child actors? Yes. Um, for Roland, I had Finn Wolfhard, which is the that like small actor from Stranger Things. Like, I feel like anyone yeah. from the cast of Stranger Things oh, true. would be cut and pasted into this cast. Um, yeah. And then the um, the girl Grace Vander Vanderwall, I think her name is the Star Girl actress. I thought she could be Bessie. Yeah, that's a good one. Thanks. She already has a bowl cut too. A little totally. Bit. And she's like lanky. She's cute. Yeah, I like that. Dana, do you have anyone else? I found her. I found the girl I was looking for. Oh her my name god, is who Snitch. is it? Her name is Sarah Wright. And when I show you a picture of her, you will know exactly Wait. who I'm talking about. I'm Googling her. I'm who the hell is that? What is she from? Um, you know who she is. She Sarah W W R I G H T. She's from House Bunny. And she was also, oh my God, th- this can't be who you were thinking of. How did you yep, even have it was her face? Exactly. 
because I watched that stupid show on Netflix spinning out. Oh, okay. I was never, ever going to get that. I I feel so much better. I'm so happy that you got that. I wish it was as, like, redeeming. Like, I wish I felt as good as you do, you know? But that's just, like, not who I thought you were going to say. No, but if Um, you look at her, like, she's perfect for the role. Okay, and who would you cast as Jasper? I cast John Slattery, and I'm sure some of you are like, who's that? But when I tell you who he is, one, he plays, uh, he's in Mad Men. He plays Roger Sterling. Um, He's the white-haired guy, and he's also in Desperate Housewives. He's also the politician who pees on Carrie Bradshaw in Sex and the City. He's like the older statesman in all great shows, and he always plays a politician. And so I feel, and he's also like a cute silver fox. And I feel like he would just crush it as, as Jasper. A hundred percent. You're so right. Yeah, like it's that's actually a great one. Okay, great. I have Mission George Clooney. Have. Ooh, that's a good one too. That is good. Thank you. I have Patrick Dempsey. Oh, that's a good one. I feel like he's sort of like too handsome. I didn't I picture Jasper as being handsome, but like in a what's his name again? In a John Slattery way. Slattery way. John yeah, Flattery's I, a good one, but I just, I, I imagined him to be a little bit, like, John Flattery seems a bit thin. Oh, you wanted a little bit thicker? Yeah, I need Jasper? some more thickness. Okay, I'll get back to you on the thickness. Dana? I had Warner from Legally Blonde. Oh, you know what? That's not, like, the worst call. He's a Hallmark actor now, so I feel like he would love the gig. His name is, I forget, he was literally just in this Hallmark movie I watched. Christmas Wishes and Mistletoe Kisses. Matthew Davis. Have you been watching Hallmark, like, during quarantine? No, no, no. It was from, like, uh, September. It was actually the movie that I did the podcast You remembered... Oh, because I was going to say, you remember the name of a Hallmark movie you watched in September? No, it was because I did the official Hallmark recap podcast, and that was the movie that we were talking about, so I remembered it. Okay, wow. So I think we've gone in and out of this book. Did anyone have any additional thoughts before we give our overall Redheads rating? I mean, I thought we were going to do Timothy. Oh, I threw Timothy in with the children, and I, I cast Miss Jacob Tremblay. Who did you have? Oh, sorry. I just wanted to make sure that everyone knew that Timothy was going to be played by Prince George of Cambridge. Oh, <laughs> yeah, if they can, if they can get so, it. 100%. Totally. Or Liam Henry. Oh, yeah, that, Becky's nephew would be a great Timothy if the movie comes out in a few years. <laughs> okay, now are we ready for our overall Redheads rating? Or Dana, do you have an additional thought about this wonderful book that you chose? I just want to know everyone's favorite passage. Like, it doesn't need to be a big part in the book. Just, like, out of all the books, uh, out of everything we read, what did you like the best? Like, what did you highlight in your Kindle? Oh, that is a great I question. don't know how to highlight, but there was a part <laughs> that I actually did, should have highlighted. Well, I don't know what it was. <laughs> to me, I highlighted all the past. Well, I highlighted pretty much anything that like made me laugh just so that I could always come back to it. But I highlighted any time Lillian was like, yes, and that's what parenting is. You know, parenting is just telling someone that you love them and just like hope it, you know, just her trying to like sum- summarize what it means to be like a good caretaker in one sentence when it's like, no, it's not just that, but that's something on the way to where you're going. I like that. What about you, Dana? So I laughed throughout the whole book, but there was one point where I felt this like acute sadness, which was when she was teaching Bessie math and Bessie was like, I knew mom should have taught us math. Like I told her it was important. And for some reason that shattered my heart when she just like felt stupid and had this realization that like there was something her mom didn't teach her that would make her 
be at the bottom of the class. And I don't know why, but that scene just like really tug at my heartstrings. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah, that was hard. All the stuff, all the stuff with their mom was really sad. Yeah, that was underrated. I also love mm-hmm. the scene where she is describing how ugly Bessie is, but then is like, but if you saw her play basketball, like, she turns pretty then. <laughs> no, totally. Okay, my AirPods are actually, like, dying, if not dead, so we got to get to our overall Redheads rating, okay? I hear you. I am going ahead and giving this a 4.5 because I love the book. The reason why it doesn't get a 5 is because I felt like the end was kind of rushed, and I actually just wanted the book to be longer, and I wanted more of it, and it was over too soon, which is why I deducted half a point. Snitch, what's your rating? I'm going to give it a nice 3.5. Um, I just like, it just was not my kind of book, but I can understand why people would enjoy it. But for me personally, like I wasn't enthralled by it. Like I, it easily could have taken me a a week to read, you know, like I wasn't Mm -hmm. like, Oh, I got to finish this book, you know? Mm -hmm. Bex? I'd give it a four. I thought it was great. I thought it was such a good read. It wasn't everything that I imagined in a book and more. Like there is a really special place in my heart for a 4.5 or a five. And it wasn't quite there, but I thought it was great. Sweet. D. am going to give it a 4.6 because any book that I can read in one setting that was still like three hours to read. It wasn't that the quickest book in the entire world. I think it just felt that way because of the writing. And mm-hmm. I just love the story. It was so unique, but as we keep saying, traditional and that kind of blend I think is hard to achieve. Totally. Okay, so I've calculated all of our scores and the overall Redheads rating for Nothing to See Here by Kevin Wilson is 4.15, making it our best book yet. Wow. Did you guys- what has been your guys' favorite book so far that we've read? Obviously, like, we could just check all of our ratings, but for me, it's been this book. Snitch? Mine was Red, White, and Mort Royal Blue. Bex? Mm. Mine was Nothing to See Here, this book. Dana? Nothing to See Here. Great. Well, that's a great transition into Snitch's choice, because next month, Snitch is choosing the book Rounding Out. She's our fourth book, and now we will all have chosen one book. Um, usually we also share what else we've read this month, but because my AirPods are dying and like the Zoom call is going on very long, we'll share that on our Instagram page with everyone. We'll do like a whole cute little graphic. So before we go, Snitch, please share with us what book we are reading next month and why. The next book that we are reading is When We Were Strangers by Renee Carlin. And see, I really wanted to choose a book that was like my type. So like at first I was just trying to find books that I thought you guys would enjoy, but then I was like, that's not fair. I'm in this for the young adult vibe. So I tried to find a book that was young adult, but also had like a deeper, like not meaning, but there was more to it than just like boy meets girl. I'm not entirely Mm -hmm. sure if that is true, but this had like a 4.2 on Goodreads and it comes like highly rated. So, and I saw that it was like about NYU. So I was like, okay, cool. We're good. So, um, that is the book. I hope that we enjoy it. Um, and I really hope that it goes over well and I hope it's not like too basic. I think it's going to be great. The ratings look good, and I haven't heard anything about it, so we'll really be the ones on the frontier of this book. Can't wait. Thank you, Snitch. Thank you. Excited, Snitch. No. Has anyone heard of it? Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Dana, great choice. Tell Josh he did a great job. I'm excited to hear what all of the redheads thought about this book. So if you are a fan of this podcast and you've made it this far, head over to the redheads Instagram, comment on our post, post in the redheads Facebook group, let us know your thoughts. 
and we will see you next month. I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at the redheads. Everyone, thank you for joining. Becky, we hope that you feel better soon. We hope that you've been able to take your mind off these Rona times. And everyone else out there, stay healthy, stay safe, stay smart, wash your hands, okay? We love you. Everybody, love you all.